Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Friday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal Friday morning fashion by giving us the weather headed into this weekend. In Los Angeles, California, it is mostly sunny, 71, with a mostly sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, it is uh, thunderstorming today with a high of 71 degrees, partly cloudy weekend. Chicago, Illinois, sunny, 56, with a sunny weekend. In New York City, partly cloudy, 57, with a partly cloudy weekend. Well, Chris, I really see no reason to mess around here. We have a lot of news once again to get through here. So why don't you just kick it right off for us? The Federal Student Loan Forgiveness Program is now on pause, at least temporarily. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals just temporarily blocked the federal government from forgiving any loans. Less than 24 hours prior, a Missouri judge threw out this challenge brought by six Republican-led states ruling they had no standing to bring the case. Those six states appealed to the Eighth Circuit, and now here we are. So what does this mean for you? At this point, you just have to hang tight while this plays out. The federal government has until Monday to respond, and then the six states will reply on Tuesday. On the very flip side of that, there was another legal victory for the federal student loan forgiveness program. A federal judge in Missouri threw out a big lawsuit brought by six Republican-led states that were trying to shut the program down. We originally talked about this lawsuit back in September. The lawsuit was brought by Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and South Carolina, and claimed the president overstepped his authority to create such a program and said by allowing it to continue, it would hurt their state tax revenue. In a 19-page order, the federal judge said the states lack standing to even bring the lawsuit on in the first place. On the other side of this, the Nebraska attorney general disagrees, saying that he believes the states do have legal standing and will be appealing to the Eighth Circuit of Appeals. Last week, the president said more than 22 million borrowers have already applied for federal student loan forgiveness, and the Department of Education could start forgiving that debt very soon. Once it starts, as we've said before, it'll be very hard to stop it or take it back. Kids really suffered academically because of the pandemic. The so-called nation's report card from the National Assessment of Education Progress has the Department of Education secretary saying the status of education in the United States is, quote, appalling and unacceptable. The report measures how proficient students are performing in specific subjects. In 2022, fourth grade math scores dropped five points from 2019. That's the lowest it's been since 2005. And eighth grade math scores dropped eight points since 2019. That's the lowest since 2003. In 2022, fourth grade and eighth grade reading scores both dropped three points from 2019. The last time we saw scores like that was in 1992. Over the last few years, Congress has allocated $192 million for schools, and a share of that money must go towards addressing these horrible numbers, according to the Department of Education Secretary. 
Former President Trump received a subpoena Friday morning as promised from the January 6th committee. And along with that subpoena came a four-page letter in a six-page detailed of documents the committee wants to see. The committee wants former President Trump to produce those documents and to sit for a deposition. The first paragraph really sums up why the committee says they are doing this. In the first place, it says... Quote, as demonstrated in our hearings, we have assembled overwhelmingly evidence, including from dozens of your former appointees and staff that you personally orchestrated and oversaw a multi-part effort to overturn the 2020 presidential election and to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power, end quote. The letter includes 10 bullet points of accusations the committee says they have evidence to prove, things like maliciously disseminating false allegations of fraud in the 2020 presidential election, orchestrating the fake electors plot, and refusing for hours to, quote, disband your rioting supporters from the Capitol. The letter acknowledges issuing a subpoena to a former president is a significant step, but it goes through a laundry list of other presidents who not only have been subpoenaed, but also testified in front of Congress, including President Roosevelt, Truman, Ford, and even Abraham Lincoln. The committee wants to see the documents by November 4th and wants the deposition to begin on November 14th. So what's next? Well, former President Trump has a few options here. He can comply, he can partially comply, like his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, or he can blow it off and fight it in the courts. But just last week, we saw his advisor, Steve Bannon, get sentenced to four months in prison for doing just that. And the letter points out that according to the Supreme Court, former presidents have a very limited ability to claim executive privilege over these types of documents. Former President Trump's company went on trial Monday in a criminal tax case, and the first task facing this court is a big one, picking a jury of New Yorkers who don't have a strong opinion about the former president. Manhattan prosecutors say the Trump organization helped top executives avoid income taxes on job perks such as rentals for free apartments and luxury cars. Former President Trump himself isn't on trial and isn't expected to testify. That being said, the judge and lawyers in the case will likely be looking to keep people off the jury if they have unshakably strong feelings about the Republican who isn't liked in his own hometown. The trial is expected to center on the actions and testimony of longtime Trump organization Alan Weisselberg, who pleaded guilty in August to accepting more than $1.7 million worth of untaxed perks from the company. Trump has described the probe as a, quote, political witch hunt, The company's lawyers have said the Trump organization played by the rules. If convicted, the company could be fined more than $1 million. A guilty verdict could hamper its ability to get loans and make deals. A gunman entered Central Visual and Performing Arts High School in South St. Louis Monday with a long gun and multiple high-capacity magazines. He shot a teenage girl and a health teacher to death and injuring several others before police shot and killed him. Police identified the suspect late Monday as 19-year-old Orlando Harris, 
who graduated last year from the school. One survivor heard the shooter say he was, quote, tired of everybody, end quote. In the school, police said the damage could have been far worse. The shooter's gun jammed at one point. One student said giving kids time to escape. And police found more than a dozen 30-round magazines on him. Authorities did not release the names of the woman and the teenage girl who died, but relatives of the woman identified her as 61-year-old Jean Kuchka, who taught health and physical education. Kuchka was a mother of five. Family and friends identified the other victim as 16-year-old Alexandria Bell. Four other students were shot and injured, two in the leg, one in the arm, and one in the hands and jaw. Two more students suffered abrasions, and a girl fractured her ankle. The IRS says there's one thing you should do right now that may prevent a big tax bill next year or could put a few more dollars in your pocket just in time for the holidays. I'm talking about checking your withholding to see if you estimated too much or too little when it comes to your taxes for 2022. You can check out the free tax withholding estimator on irs.gov. The IRS says it's certainly possible that you are withholding too much. Sure, you may get a bigger refund in 2023, but would you rather wait for that money or does it make sense to have it now? By adjusting your withholdings just in time for the holiday, the IRS says that is completely up to you to decide. Getting into a midterm update, as we've been doing towards the end of each show uh, leading up to the midterms, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland vowed that the U.S. Justice Department, quote, will not permit voters to be intimidated, end quote, during November's midterm election. Quote, the Justice Department has an obligation to guarantee a free and fair vote by everyone who qualified to vote and will not permit voters to be intimidated, Garland said during a press briefing. Millions of Americans have already early voted, but in just two weeks, law enforcement agencies and officials are turning their attention towards Election Day and the potential for violence. And amid threats to election workers and reports of voter intimidation. There have been a few cases of voter intimidation referred to the Department of Justice already. In Arizona, an unidentified voter reported that they were approached by and followed by a group of individuals when trying to drop off their ballot at the early voting drop-off box. In another instance, two armed individuals dressed in tactical gear were spotted at a ballot drop in Mesa, Arizona on Friday night of last week, according to the local county officials. The pair left the scene when the county sheriffs arrived. Sticking on the voting subject, we are still seeing record numbers of Americans exercising their right to vote ahead of the midterm elections. How many? According to the University of Florida's U.S. Election Project, 8 million people have voted early. That's compared to 6 million just a week ago. On Monday, the project counted 8,018,219 early votes, of which 6,322,916 of those were mail-in ballots, and 1,695,303 ballots have been cast in person thus far. On Monday, October 17th, 
electproject.org has tallied 2,030,730 early votes, including 1,842,115 returned mail-in ballots and 188,615 ballots cast in person. You have to understand these are incredibly impressive numbers. Midterm elections are usually a voter snooze fest, but apparently that is not the case this year. In case you haven't heard, Pennsylvania's Senate race is one of the six that could determine whether the Democrats or Republicans control the United States Senate. For the first and only time this election season, the two high-profile candidates squared off in a one-hour-long debate. Lieutenant Governor and Democrat candidate John Fetterman and Former President Trump-backed candidate Menet Oz debated on key issues including abortion, minimum wage, and crime. This was also the first time voters got to see John Fetterman on a high-pressure debate stage since his stroke that left him with an auditory processing disorder. That disorder has made it difficult for him to understand some things said aloud to him. Fetterman used closed captions to assist him Tuesday evening during the debate. The seat is the Democrats' strongest chance to pick up a Republican-held seat in a year when either party could win control of the 50-50 chamber. The winner will replace retiring Republican Senator Pat Toomey. Getting into rapid news, local police and medical personnel in northwest Missouri are investigating the death of an Amazon employee who was apparently attacked by a pair of dogs while delivering a package. Also, a 5.1 magnitude earthquake struck near San Jose, California. A 20-year-old man in New Jersey died Monday after being dragged by a subway train in New York City. Nick, what do you got for this Friday morning good news? So for my good news story today, we have just, in my opinion, a really cool story. So we've had stories kind of like this before, but it's just so remarkable every time, and this one's no different. And this time for an even more special way, because back 75 years ago, these two young girls were... uh, traveling from Italy to the United States by boat. Uh, It was a 14-day journey, and the two had become best friends. They were both 10 and 9 at the time. And, you know, 75 years later, they lost contact with each other once they got here to the United States. So 75 years later, um, one of them, Lena, had just remembered her uh, friend from that time during that journey, and... One of her sons, her youngest son, took it upon himself to try and track that friend down. The friend's name was Yolanda. And turns out the two had been living two and a half hours from each other the entire time. Just two and a half hours apart and they managed to get a hold of one another. Uh, The son of Lena managed to get a hold of uh, Yolanda and Yolanda's son drove her to meet up with Lena and the two said it was like uh, reuniting with sisters after a long time apart just nothing had really changed they quickly just kind of you know almost like picked things back up where they had left off and just such an emotional time for them and 75 years later living two and a half hours from each other that's insane I mean 75 years later that's absolutely insane and it's even more insane that you were they were able to track them down and only being apart two and a half hours so what i'm saying is pretty much every detail about this is insane but i had to highlight the insane parts again it's crazy like 
when you really start to put everything together, like, yeah, they tracked each other down 75 years later. That's amazing. The fact that they've been it's living. It's impressive, too. It, 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 yeah, no doubt about that. But the fact that through their entire lives, that 75 years, they've only lived two and a half hours apart the whole time. That's crazy. That's incredible. I bet they had a lot of catching up to do. Oh, I would imagine. And the fact that they were able to pick things right up like that. Oh, that's so cool. But that is the end of this Friday morning news episode. We will be back here with a what to expect for the week of October 30th. Wow. 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 wow, Already through October. But that is the end. Oh, wait. I already said that. (laughs) October 30th. And then we will be back here Monday morning with a news episode to get you started with your work week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.